They were the golden couple of all golden couples. Jude Law, the world's sexiest man, and Sienna Miller, total style icon. But then, one day in 2005, one woman's diary entries changed everything. Welcome to Scandal from Shameless Podcast, the stories of the biggest celebrity controversies revisited. We're back. We are back with a bang Zara McDonald because this is a story that Ruby in the Shameless Office has been asking for forever and we're here to deliver the goods. I know this one is dedicated to Ruby. (laughs) She has been on our backs. This is the start of, I guess we're going to call it a four-part series called The Nanny Diaries. The first two parts are about Jude Law and Sienna Miller. And yes, although it's a story that starts out with the nanny, my goodness, are there more layers to this than I ever thought possible. I used to be absolutely obsessed with Jude Law and Sienna Miller. They were like my golden couple when, I don't know, I was like a weird young little celebrity obsessed tabloid thing. When you were 10 years old. Yes, I was strange. I was very strange. (laughs) And I knew that they had something happen to them. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I also didn't know the fallout of everything that came later. Yeah, it's so funny you say that because we obviously grew up infatuated with dude law. I think every straight woman, gay man growing up (laughs) in the noughties fell in love with dude law at some point. But I did know on some level whenever I saw him in the movie, I remember thinking to myself, that man is a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And I know that he's had like some skeletons in his closet, but I never quite knew what they were. Yeah, right. I mean, it's so interesting because I think in these scandal series, we've covered a heap of Hollywood celebrities, but I have a real craving to cover far more British celebrities because it's an entirely different brand of celebrities. I think purely because they live under the very watchful eye of the UK tabloids, which changes the nature of celebrity in the country. Mm. It makes it almost a much dirtier celebrity news cycle, I would say, and we're going to find that out over the course of the next two episodes. But I am that excited to dive right in, so we will (laughs) stop clickbaiting you, Mish. Let's rewind all the way back to 1972. Let's do it. All right, Zara McDonald. Jude Law was born on the 29th. (laughs) Right back. We we forgot to tell you we were going right, right back. Jude Law was born on December 29, 1972 in South London. He had parents who were school teachers. Now, his birth name was actually not Jude. His full name is David Jude Hayworth Law. Not a sexier name. My dad is David, so it's a wonderful name, but Jude is a bit more movie star. I'm glad you don't find your own dad's name <laughs> well, I had to sort of pivot and then I had to pivot again. Anyway, he has actually gone by Jude since birth. The name actually, funnily enough, was partially inspired by the Beatles song Hey Jude, a song we spoke about just a few weeks ago. All of these scandal stories overlap in some way or another. Yeah, it's just one big flat circle. Now, Jude's parents also pursued pursued acting outside of work hours. And this, Jude says, was the catalyst for his love of the arts, which kicked into gear at the age of about five. I think we find this with almost every celebrity that we cover who ends up being an actor is even if their parents weren't professional actors, there's definitely some love of theatre or amateur theatre in their history. For sure. Jude Law later told Esquire they had a passion for theatre, film and music, so there was a lot of that around the house. It was a very happy childhood. I had a lot of love, a lot of encouragement and enthusiasm. 
So good to hear about a celebrity who actually had a good childhood. (laughs) I was pretty well adjusted, he says. I was lovely and well adjusted. The Esquire profile describes Jude as a, like, passionate, single-minded kid obsessed with films, music and sport. They also describe him as someone who would wag school. But instead of, like, going out and hanging out at the local shopping centre and, I don't know, what, smoking seas with others, is that what people do when they wag school, he would actually take himself to go and watch film after film at the local cinema. Now... A lovely story. Again, one I always take with a bit of a grain of salt. Oh, because you it's like, cynic. Well, come on. It's a bit of like a romantic, like, I yes, I was so obsessed with film <laughs> and cinema that I would just go and watch films by myself. Like, it's a beautiful story. I, it probably happened once. It's a beautiful story. Zara doesn't think it's true. <laughs> I think it might have happened once or twice. As a teenager, Jude Law actually started out in musical theatre where he very quickly picked up momentum and critical acclaim. From the theatre, he then transitioned into British TV. He actually had a two-year stint on a soap opera, of all things, called Families. Feels like a bit of a jump from musical theatre to soap opera. But appreciate it's one that makes you a bit more mainstream. It was actually in 1992 when Jude was only 19 years old that he actually landed his first major film role. It was a crime drama by the name of Shopping. And while it was only like a little, I guess, splash in the water of Jude's career, it was an absolute tidal wave Mm. for his private life because on that set, Jude Law met a woman who was going to change his life. Yeah, that's right. Jude Law's coast star in shopping was the then 25-year-old Sadie Frost. At this stage in her career, she had a bigger profile than Jude Law. Sadie Frost was coming off a career high with her performance in Dracula. She had also appeared in a couple of high-profile music videos. I would love to give you the band names, but I did read them and went, I'll take your word for it. I'm sure these are really big bands. Yeah, well, I'm about to tell you perhaps who was one of them and now you might get a bit embarrassed. But (laughs) before I get there, these two hit it off on set, but there was one complicating factor. Sadie Frost was married to the then 33-year-old Spandau ballet musician Gary Kemp. They have some absolute bangers, Michelle. Sure they do. Yes, uh, this is like the time I didn't know who Garbage was. <laughs> yeah, no, it's also one of those things where it's like you don't necessarily connect with the band name, but the minute you play like their back catalogue, yes. you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yep. Now, Sadie actually had a two-year-old son with Gary at the time of meeting Jude. So she meets 19-year-old Jude. She's 25. She has a 33-year-old husband. You can imagine it all is about to get very complicated. It's all about to go down. And we know this thanks to Sadie's memoir. It's called Crazy Day. And she really wrote a lot about this time in her life. It's an interesting book, this one. We read a lot of it for the purpose of this episode. And I didn't know a lot about Sadie Frost at all. But reading this book, I'm like, God, she was like a real key part of the British celebrity scene at this specific time. Absolutely. And in that book, she wrote this. I knew that my husband Gary was as devoted as ever and I understood that even by entertaining thoughts of Jude, I was jeopardising an idyllic home life, the most secure and wonderful relationship I'd ever had. I crushed all unwelcome ideas about this new man and focused on the filming, but it wasn't as easy as that. Jude was there and I saw how I was beginning to prefer this straightforward young man to the ultra-intellectual older husband who, not by his own choice but simply by being himself, made me feel a little inferior. Still, I rejected all my dark thoughts, but soon it became clear that Jude was also interested in me. Bit of a language analysis there, Zara McDonald. So she's saying... Her husband made her feel small simply by him being such a big presence, such an intelligent guy. 
Jude did not make her feel small. A bit of a backhander to Jude Law. <laughs> Huge backhander, but also a backhander to the husband too yeah. because it's like you are older and maybe a little bit more boring too. Like I yeah. do get that inference from this passage that Jude was like the exciting teenager and Gary was the older musician. Now, it was actually when Jude and Sadie were filming a scene together in a car that Sadie knew her feelings for Jude were more than just a harmless crush. She wrote, Inside that car, it was almost painful for me to sit next to him. So powerful was this force I felt drawing me to him. Then he turned to look at me, his stare intense and hungry. (laughs) I feel like I'm intruding on someone or something by reading this out. I would love to see your best intense and hungry stare. I have to get going. I allowed my gaze to take him as his almond-shaped avocado green eyes thundered their way into my soul. Thundered their way into my soul. Ooh, that is a horrendous one. I'm not, sorry, Sadie. Anyway, as you can imagine, Jude and Sadie became pretty inseparable from there. Although Sadie does insist nothing physical happened between them. She acknowledges that they had an emotional affair, but says they didn't actually consummate that emotional affair until she was separated from her husband, Gary. Now, almost immediately after moving out of her marital home with Gary, Sadie went with Jude on a trip to Bali and... The sexual affair was on. <laughs> that, well, actually, I was thinking of a more PG way to say that, which was where the relationship turned romantic. <laughs> she wrote at the time, it was like paradise syndrome. I had it all, the career and the perfect family, but I felt that I had to destroy whatever was good before someone else took it away from me. Sadie comes across as this like incredible free spirit, I mm. guess, who is untethered over a lot of her life. Like she struggles, I think, to stay grounded. And this very much seems the case when she meets Jude. What is fascinating about this dynamic is how Sadie writes about how strapped for cash Jude was at this time. And she writes about needing to buy him bus tickets or that she had to pay his bills because he was living, and I quote, hand to mouth. Mm. It's An incredible jump to go from being married to this incredibly successful musician who I imagine would have quite a bit of money. Would have been raking it in. To a guy who a few months ago was just a teenager with nothing to his name. And can't afford a bus ticket. Irrespective of that new dynamic, Sadie and Jude really worked together. They clicked and when things were good, apparently they were really great. By the time they had their first child in 1996 though, Jude's star was officially on the rise and that dynamic shifted. He had been cast in his first blockbuster in 1996. It was called Gattaca. Meanwhile, Sadie, who had been the successful one in the relationship, was at home a lot and really struggling with severe postnatal depression. Yeah, and she's been very, very open about that kind of struggle with postnatal depression And it seems like it really kind of took a hold of her over Mm. those years. A few months before Gattaca came out in November 1997, Sadie and Jude decided to get married. Her close friend Kate Moss lent her a dress for the ceremony. Interesting. Imagine having that closet close by. (laughs) And Jude's best man was Johnny Lee Miller. Now, to put it lightly, Sadie and Jude were big partiers. They became known as part of this friendship group called the Primrose Hill Set, who lived in London and were very much known for 
being out and about. They're loose ways, I guess. They're loose ways. Now, the stress of that lifestyle reportedly put a huge amount of strain on their relationship. In that memoir, Crazy Days, Sadie wrote, the more in demand Jude was professionally, the more of a drama queen I became. As he matured into a man and had more responsibilities, I started to act like a child a lot of the time. So... While Jude Star is rising exponentially, they begin making a family. By this point, they've already got one kid. In the year 2000, they give birth to their second child. And then in 2002, they have a third. Yeah. So that same year, 2002, Jude and Sadie actually found their names in pretty ugly kind of headlines. Here's a passage from The Guardian in October 2002 to show you how this story was reported. Police and council officials are investigating the London club where the two-year-old daughter of actors Jude Law and Sadie Frost swallowed an ecstasy tablet at the weekend. Iris Law was taken to hospital after her mother noticed that she had picked something up off the floor and put it in her mouth while attending a children's birthday party at Soho House. Miss Frost managed to remove most of the tablet and doctors assured her that Iris was unharmed. Yeah, a terrible headline to find yourself involved with, particularly given this was only four or five weeks after their third child had been born. So she had just given birth to their third child. A month after, we start hearing that their toddler has swallowed ecstasy. Yeah, really complicated story. And according to Sadie's memoir, it was around this time that their marriage became irreparable. Jude Star was too big. He was getting pretty massive. Mm. The distance between them was becoming too great and her mental health challenges seemed like they were becoming really significant in the marriage. And again, that is something she's written quite openly about. Yeah. In that book, Sadie writes that it was on a holiday to Thailand where Jude finally told her that he had simply fallen out of love with her. They announced their separation in August 2003 and divorced officially that October. Yeah. In the near 11 years since Jude Law met Sadie Frost, he had been married, he had three kids and was quickly becoming one of the biggest movie stars in the world. That is from the age of about nine to 30. That is an incredibly sort of formative part of his life. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're wondering what the hell's been going on in his career, we know that we've been talking a lot about his private life. By this point in 2003, Jude had already starred in the likes of the talented Mr. Ripley, Road to Perdition and Cold Mountain alongside Nicole Kidman. Now, perhaps a story or a scandal for another day, Zara, but when Jude Law and Nicole Kidman starred in Cold Mountain together, the Daily Mail actually speculated that they were having a romantic affair. But the two actors, particularly Nicole, really pursued them for that. Nicole successfully sued the Daily Mail and a court ordered that the publication had to publish an apology and pay her legal fees in full. Yeah, power to her. Perhaps also a kind of clunky point to make here, but one that would be pretty silly not to point out. Jude instantly became known not just for his acting but for his looks too. Like he became a sex symbol almost instantly. Mm. According to Vulture, in Law's youth his beauty was blinding. His face had the kind of golden symmetry the ancient Greeks would have gilded with praise, something that could inspire you to risk your life. I mean, slightly (laughs) dramatic point, but I understand what they're trying to say. Dare I say they're not overstating what a hottie he was though. Like he was... Was, boom! he, He, in his hate, was truly like 
the most attractive actor out there. By 2003, Jude Law was cast in the romantic comedy film Elfie, which was a remake of the 1966 film of the same name. While the film did get some mixed reviews from critics, surely you've got to think that this would be one of his most like notable performances or like something that he's most known for. I think it's like the most maybe quote-unquote mainstream rom-commy thing that he's done and because Sienna Miller was in that film, now it's like the film that's most closely tied to his name, I would argue. For like mainstream films, it's this and The Holiday. Yes, maybe just the basic (laughs) films then. So as I said, the reason that this was so notable is because it was where he met the then 21-year-old actor by the name of Sienna Miller. Jude was 30 and he was going through his divorce with Sadie. And the two of them reportedly met in Charles Shire, the director's living room. So who was Sienna Miller when Jude Law met her? Who was Sienna Miller? Before we get to the love story, let's properly introduce you all. Sienna was born on December 28, 1981 in New York. Her parents moved her and her older sister to London when she was just a toddler, but then later divorced in 1987. She lived predominantly with her mother for the majority of her childhood. Now, in an interview Sienna did with the Evening Standard, she said that she earned a reputation for being a pretty big rebel as a teenager for drinking vodka and, and I quote, having a teenage snog with a school gardener she dubbed the green-fingered god. (laughs) Something particularly (laughs) dirty about that nickname. (laughs) After graduating high school at 18, she signed with Select Model Management in London. She did some modelling work for a while for both print and TV commercials. And when she saved up enough money, she enrolled in a short course at the Lee Strasberg Theatre and Film Institute and moved to New York. Now, that theatre institute might be familiar because we mentioned it when we were talking about Marilyn Monroe. Exactly. Another overlap again. At 20 years old, Sienna got her first film role in a rom-com called South Kensington starring Elle McPherson. It was also around that time that Sienna Miller had a brief fling with Orlando Bloom. Another overlap with another scandal uh, story. No, we're getting, <laughs> we're probably being exhausting about this. <laughs> a few roles later, a 21-year-old Sienna lands herself opposite Jude Law in Alfie. Now, her part wasn't Humongous. 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 I haven't used that word in years. (laughs) But it was not long after Sienna and Jude began filming together that things between them turned romantic. In an October 2003 interview with The Evening Standard, and just for timeline's sake, that was around the time that he and Sadie Frost were getting divorced, Mm. Sienna was forced to explain images of them kissing in a park. She said, I don't want this interview to be about Jude and my private life. I'm not really happy talking about our relationship. It all seems so mad at the moment. I've even got people camped out on my doorstep, presumably to take a picture of who goes in or out of my house. She did acknowledge the photographs as well in a quote that read, there were some pictures of me, Jude and his son over the weekend, but that was all blown out of proportion. It was just a bit of fun. And while it might have looked like he was kissing me, it was nothing of the sort. We just went to a gallery and we were larking around afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) I love reading quotes like this back because it's like it was nothing. He would never kiss me. Nothing of the sort. We weren't anything at all. Now, the picture that you get from this evening standard piece is a really interesting one. The journalist definitely depicts Sienna as a young woman who has become incredibly overwhelmed by fame Mm. very quickly and absolutely does not have the tools to cope with it yet. And there was this really interesting description in the opening part of the piece that read like this. Sienna Miller is stressed. 
very stressed. She's an hour late for our interview and it's a miracle she even made it having cancelled three times already. Mm. She doesn't seem at all very calm in this interview. She seems just, as I said, completely overwhelmed by the situations that she's been finding herself in. Yeah, at this time in her life, according to all the profile pieces and interview pieces we could find on Sienna Miller, she was synonymous with chaos. Like everything was just chaotic (laughs) for Sienna Miller. (laughs) Yeah, and I think what is remarkable about her is how famous she got so quickly. I mean, what I found really interesting when we were reading all about her is that one of her top subheadings on her Wikipedia page, and no, it's not the only place we get our research (laughs) from, is tabloid notoriety. Is it like she was also, yes, she was an actress, but for those very early years, she was one of those people who was more famous for being famous. She became like prime tabloid fodder and we know what the tabloids are like in the UK. It would have been incredibly confronting that young at 21 to have, you know, paparazzi camped out in front of your house because you suddenly appear to be dating one of the most famous men in the country. Yeah, and because you seem to sell magazines, like photographs of you sell. And it's always such an interesting thing trying to really crystallise what it is about different celebrities that means that they move magazines or that their image can sell paparazzi photos and make a paparazzo tens of thousands of dollars just for snapping an image of them. It's a really like difficult quality to kind of quantify. Perhaps Sienna's star power was supercharged by her proximity to Jude at this time too. People magazine reported that in the two-month period of Elfie premiering, Jude was starring in a further five films at the cinemas. So six films in two months had Jude Law in them. Like he was literally everywhere. Yeah, and you have to do publicity for all of them. So you're giving interviews every day. Alfie's director went away to explain why Jude was everywhere at this time in an interview with New York Magazine. He said, when Sienna and Jude first met, to be honest, I think Sienna was a little gaga, but Jude's a cool customer. He was going through a lot of shit in those days. I think, well, I know because we talked about it, that is one of the reasons he did all those movies in a row. It's because it allowed him to involve himself in something other than legal fighting. So the work was all a distraction from his divorce. I mean, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Sienna, meanwhile, was likened to Kate Moss. Her kind of boho chic style heralded as like the moment. The moment. I remember this was my on moment. Tumblr. It was my moment. Tumblr fucking loved Sienna Miller. Like the photos of her with the little plaits in her hair or like the quirky hairstyle mm. she would do. I would have photos of her from <laughs> magazines stuck up in my room as inspo. Absolutely. I was so young. <laughs> And of Sienna's style and public following in 2004, the Evening Standard said this, Miller didn't just wear the boho look, she was the boho look. Every trend has its poster girl and if Kate Moss was the figurehead for skinny-jeaned rock chick, Sienna Miller was the wafty-skirted equivalent. So you could say that Jude and Sienna were both fashion icons. While Vogue was naming Sienna their Girl of the Year on one of their 2004 covers, Jude Law was announced as People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in the same year. Yeah, so you've got Sexiest Man and Girl of the Year. Like, that is iconic. But as far as Sienna was concerned, while the commentary was feverish, it actually wasn't always kind. The New York Times called her a new it girl who barely registers on screen, despite wearing little more than lacy filaments that make her look like a gift meant to be unwrapped very quickly. I don't think there is any doubt that the obsession with Sienna Miller in the public eye affected her acting career. But we're going to get to all of that and how Jude and Sienna's relationship progressed after the break. 
All right, Zara. So Jude and Sienna were together for about a year when on Christmas Day in 2004, Jude got down on one knee and proposed. The very next day, the couple left for a holiday with Jude's three children. Now, one of the more interesting parts about this story is that when confirming the news to the press, a spokesperson made sure everybody knew that, and I quote, the kids were spectacularly happy. (laughs) Is there something a bit sus about that? Like when people feel the need to say something so explicitly when none of us asked, I'm always like, okay, so the kids were very unhappy. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's kind of like the lady doth protest too much. Like no one asked if the kids were unhappy. So to kind of squeeze it into your announcement as the couple's spokesperson raises an eyebrow. But but then they were also really young. The kids were really young. Like the youngest one was two, I think. How happy can a toddler be over it? It's just a weird thing to write. I'm trying to think of telling my niece like that I'm engaged and she would have no fucking idea what I'm talking about. Was that potentially though like of the moment, like was it a big deal in the early noughties that if you were kind of getting divorced and getting engaged to someone new that was taboo and therefore they were kind of rallying against some cultural expectation? I don't know. I think maybe because I don't actually think the kids could have been happy because I actually don't think they would have understood what was going on. I think maybe what it's pointing to is this is all happy families here. Sadie Frost is okay. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I'm not with Sadie anymore. Yes, maybe it's only been a year or so since you know that I was married to her, but everything is fine. Like yeah. everyone's happy. The ring itself was reportedly worth $35,000, which Call me, call me high maintenance. But if I was Sienna Miller, surely you'd go for like a million dollar ring. Oh my, Sarah McDonald. I'm kidding. I don't, I I don't want that. (laughs) As soon as you said that, you're like, I regret saying that immediately. But just in the context of all the rings we've spoken about over the course of this show over four years, $35,000 has got to be on the cheaper end of a celebrity ring. Dare I say, Zara McDonald, as someone who loved her boho chic look, a massive rock on your finger doesn't exactly scream boho. It's not, it's not on brand. I'm surprised you even went diamond. You would think a boho chic vibe would go with like, I don't know, like a sapphire or an emerald? Well, it was a gold band with nine diamonds. So it wasn't <laughs> quite like, I mean, there was still a few diamonds. There. It was actually quite blingy for a boho girl. <laughs> anyway, we need to get back to the tabloids because around this time, they were obsessed with Sienna and Jude. They would pap them doing even the most mundane things like taking out the garbage every week. And when they found out that they were engaged and there was an upcoming wedding, the tabloid media lost its tiny mind. This all contributed to the idea that Sienna wasn't famous for her work or her craft but simply for being in the orbit of one of the world's biggest movie stars. The Observer described her, and I quote, as famous for being Jude Law's fiance, while the Sydney Morning Herald implied that she needed Jude's star power behind her if she wanted to ever make it. That journalist wrote, a power coupling would give her the gravitas she needs to break through. And naturally the constant hounding by paparazzi and all of the privacy invasions definitely took a toll on them both. Jude later told Esquire magazine, I do remember feeling slightly beaten down by it, by the constant presence of paparazzi outside my house and the interaction with these people you just don't want in your life. They're trying to be chatty and friendly and you just want to punch them in the face. Don't be chatty. Don't give me good morning, mate. Just because you've been sitting outside my house for four months doesn't mean we're mates. I mean, he makes a good point. 
going. Yeah. On April 4, 2005, a report emerged in UK tabloid The Sun that indicated all was not well in the relationship of Jude and Sienna. An unnamed friend of the couple spoke to the tabloid and said, Sienna is having serious doubts about this wedding. Jude is becoming very disapproving of her partying while he's away. Jude no longer seems to be the man Sienna once thought he was. Yeah, the source went on and said they've been apart for weeks on end and Jude has become very protective. He is desperate to set a date for the wedding, but Sienna is telling pals she needs more time. I mean, she is incredibly young and you've just got these two incredibly famous people being kept apart due to their busy work schedules. You've also got like an insatiable tabloid media ready to pounce on a whiff of a story. And then on July 18, 2005, like seven months after they got engaged, we get this exclusive from the Sunday Mirror, Michelle. Headline. Go. (laughs) Exclusive. Rat Jude's affair with the nanny. My whole body was tingling. Then one of the kids walked in. I mean, it's quite a headline. I mean, we were writing the headlines. That is fucked. What journo came up with that and was like, perfect. Yeah, well, you might as well tell the best parts in the headline. So naturally the question everybody's probably asking is, what the hell is going on and how did this happen? <laughs> it turns out Jude had had an affair with the nanny. The nanny's name, Michelle, is Daisy Wright. And the Sunday Mirror managed to get an exclusive interview with her Not just that, though, they even published excerpts of her diary detailing the ins and outs of their affair. (laughs) My whole body was tingling. It's just like rotating around my brain again and again. Before we get into the details of that affair, let's talk about Daisy very quickly. She was 26 years old at the time the affair occurred. She was the weekend nanny for Sadie Frost and Jude Law's three children. So essentially, weekend nanny, the title's pretty obvious. Her role was basically to jump between Sadie Frost and Jude Law's houses on alternate weekends to look after their kids. Yeah, according to Daisy, she got the job because a friend of hers was actually Sadie's PA Mm. when they were looking for a nanny. Now, as reported by the Sunday Mirror, a then 32-year-old Jude Law started his affair with Daisy when they were together in New Orleans that March, which is what? Three months after he just proposed. Three months after. It turns out that Daisy was actually caring for one of Jude's three children in America while Sadie Frost had the other two children in Spain on a holiday. Yeah, so Jude, Daisy the nanny and his child, who the tabloids chose not to name. Thank God they had one, like, moral fibre in their being. We simply must not. (laughs) It's too far this time. (laughs) We'll tell her your whole body was tingling and the kid walked in, but the name, no, that's too far. Anyway, so the three of them, Jude, Daisy and the kid, attended a concert before going backstage, meeting the band and having a few drinks. When they then went home in a limo together, Jude's child apparently fell asleep and Daisy and Jude connected on some kind of romantic level. So given we have a literal play-by-play account from Daisy's diary of that night, It would be remiss of us not to read it all out to you. (laughs) Now, there's a lot here, but Mish, why don't we take it paragraph by paragraph? Let's do it. (laughs) I will start. We were on such a high from the concert and the wine was being knocked back appreciatively. (laughs) Jude and I started talking about the kids and his work on a level of friends, I suppose, not just employee. I suppose as I had a drink, I could let myself go and so could he. He also told me how difficult it was to live in the public eye. He said, I may be Jude Law, but at the end of the day, I am an ordinary guy. (laughs) Poetry. (laughs) I also hate the idea that the child is sleeping in this car with him. Like it's so deeply Come on, keep going. All right, keep going. 
We got back to the house and when I came back down from the loo, Jude was putting music on and opening another bottle of wine. We sat listening to music and chatted and chatted and chatted so freely and openly. He told me about his marriage to Sadie, his relationship with Sienna, how he missed the kids and we spoke about me. He said how wonderful he thought I was. We said how similar our outlooks and parents are. I said to Jude I didn't understand why he didn't find a wife who didn't want a career and to party all the time. He (laughs) said it is very... He said it's very hard to find a woman who wants this and that he would love that more than anything. But there aren't women like that in his line of work. He said I was very special to want that and it was an amazing way to be. I jokingly said, I'm free and available. Uh, Joking, joking. Ha ha. We drank our drinks, listened to the music. Then Jude got up. It was about 3.30am and I said, I must go to bed. I said, good night and thanks for a lovely, lovely evening. He walked behind me, leant over and gave me a beautiful (laughs) kiss on the lips. He said, if you are lonely, come and see me. I laughed and said, don't be silly. Then he said, no, seriously, it's a big house and you might get lonely. (laughs) The next thing I knew, he was kissing me. It was amazing. He felt so lovely. We kissed and kissed for what seemed like ages. And I was thinking, I cannot believe this. Jude Laura is snogging me. He seemed to snog me for hours. It was just a beautiful kiss which lasted about 10 minutes. It was just so beautiful, so passionate. I was sitting on the sofa and he was kneeling in front of me, cupping my face in his hands and kissing me. It was the best kiss I've ever had. (laughs) I feel like I'm about to read out like an erotic novel. (laughs) The next thing I know, we are dragging each other upstairs to his bedroom, (laughs) kissing and then in the bedroom, ripping off each other's clothes. We threw ourselves onto the giant (laughs) bed and ripped off our remaining clothes. I wanted him so much. I'm so sorry, Mum. We kicked off our underwear and before I knew it, he was inside me. (laughs) It was mind-blowing rampant sex. I'm so mature. I need to grow up. He was holding me tight and we were kissing. It was amazing, wonderful. Jude smelt so manly. He told me that I was wonderful. I could feel my whole body tingling. It was so lovely. We explored each other's bodies intimately and gave each other pleasure. <laughs> I love that you got this. <laughs> I don't know how I got this one. Afterwards, he lay on top of me, stroking my face. He is a great lover and knows how to satisfy a woman. <laughs> After adding that they apparently fell asleep in each other's arms, Daisy went on to explain that Jude's child walked into the bedroom and saw their dad in bed with their nanny. Of this moment, she explained to the Sunday Mirror, the next thing I knew, I heard the door open and the child was looking at me in bed. I was probably still drunk and opened one eye. I just thought, I am not going to wake up. I am not going to move. I just lay there. She then explained that Jude woke up and had some kind of interaction (laughs) with the child. The child then left the room. And then Daisy said this was the moment that she felt like she was falling in love with him. Yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, I cannot believe this poor child was put in this scenario. Like, it's not good. I think what's really interesting when you read Daisy's diary entries is just how kind of naive she was Mm -hmm. and maybe how immature so many of her thoughts were. Take this line, for instance, which described her final encounter with Jude on the trip. 
He gave me a big kiss on the lips which shocked me and we hugged. I was a bit sad on the plane because I had fallen for him. I suppose I hoped he would ask me to marry him. A stupid dream, I know. Why would someone like Jude Law want little old me? It just seems so detached from reality. Like Daisy Wright knew at this moment he was engaged to a movie star to think that after a sexual affair with her as his children's nanny, he would be proposing is just like such a, a wild curveball to me that she would think that. Yeah, I would love to know the kinds of things that he was saying to her to make her feel like this wasn't just sex, that it was more yeah. than that. But I think what we do know from the Sunday Mirror piece is that Daisy actually lost her job over the affair because the child who saw it all happen, or not all of it happen, <laughs> I should say, but who kind of walked into the room, told their mum, Sadie Frost, in the middle of a dinner party, no less. Yeah. So walked into this dinner party and I don't know exactly what the kid said but said something to, Daddy's got a new friend. Yeah, Daddy was in bed with the nanny. And, like, who would have been at that table? We're talking about Sadie Frost, an incredibly well-connected celebrity involved with, like, London's society elite at that point. Who was sitting at that table who heard that massive bombshell? I would love to know. So after being taken off a couple of weekends in a row, Sadie Frost's PA reportedly called Daisy to let her know she was being let go. She told the Daily Mail about this. I was extremely upset about the way I was dismissed just like that from my job. I felt that Jude should have fought for me. Yeah, really interesting. And maybe people listening are wondering... Why the hell is Daisy Wright talking to the media about this at all? How did it end up being a private affair she had with a movie star to a very public scandal that we now all know about? Well, Daisy says that journalists were contacting her soon after she was let go by the family. Cheating rumours were circulating around town. Clearly, the people at that dinner party had loose lips and were telling everyone they knew, but the rumours weren't actually backed up by anything robust. So we had a bunch of journalists reaching out to Daisy asking her about the story and she initially chose to ignore their calls and not talk to them for their interviews but that changed quite quickly. Yeah she actually eventually called publicist Max Clifford to sell her story who did he was very well known for doing a lot of these kiss and tell stories. Mm. Daisy absolutely copped it for going public. The backlash was pretty intense and pretty nasty. The New York Post's Bill Hoffman actually opened an article by writing Hey, Jude, you burned Sienna for this? He continued, even all tarted up for a photo shoot for London's Mirror newspaper, Nanny Daisy Wright looks more like a late-night belt notch than a top-shelf taste worth scrapping an engagement to a gorgeous A-list actress. What the fuck? So intense. Now, Jude's response to this story came quickly. He actually issued a statement to the British Press Association where he said, following the reports in today's papers, I just want to say I am deeply ashamed and upset that I've hurt Sienna and the people most close to us. I want to publicly apologise to Sienna and our respective families for the pain that I have caused. There is no defence for my actions, which I sincerely regret, and I ask that you respect our privacy at this difficult time. The publicity firm that represented Sienna Miller told the Associated Press that she had no comment and it actually took her a little bit of time, quite a bit of time, to talk to the press about it. She was pretty quiet about it for a while. Yeah, not everyone on the periphery of the story was quiet, though. No. In fact, a lot of people <laughs> chose to speak to the newspapers about this, which makes our job quite fun. A headline ran in the mirror immediately after the initial report broke of Jude's affair that read, Sienna's Torment. 
in that article, Sienna's own mother spoke to the newspaper and said that her daughter was, and I quote, too angry for tears. She said, it is anger and betrayal. Not in a million years would we have suspected that he would have done that. I can't comment about whether or not they'll stay together. It's their private affair. The least said, the quicker it might be mended. She is a trooper, my Sienna. She has always been very strong. Unnamed friends also told the Mirror, so do take this with a grain of salt, but it seemed to be the mood of the moment. Sienna is incandescent with rage. As far as she's concerned, she's been the model girlfriend. She's also devoted a lot of energy to bonding with his kids as she thought she'd one day be their stepmom. But that's looking unlikely right now. Yeah, another supposed family friend of 10 years spoke to people and said, in my opinion, Jude's an absolute fool. He's hurt the family more than he's hurt Sienna. For that, they won't forgive him. But it's what Jude does. He's good at breaking people's hearts and mucking people about. It's pretty brutal, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's probably fair. According to that really nasty piece from the New York Post from writer Bill Hoffman, Sienna Miller's mum also told the media that, and I quote, he is just so stupid. He is a bloody idiot and you can quote me on that. Some men just can't keep it in their trousers. She is a hero. Sienna Miller's mum is a hero of this story. It's pretty big icon energy, (laughs) truthfully. Even Sadie Frost gave on the record quotes to the Sun, telling them, my heart goes out to Sienna. I did not see this coming. I have all sorts of advice for her. <laughs> this is not my crisis, thank God. But if she phones me, I'll have a long chat to her. <laughs> so the affair is out. The diaries are public. But the damage was something that people would be talking about for another decade. Why is that? Because what Sienna Miller did next didn't just plunge the tabloids into a frenzy, it became part of one of the UK's biggest and most expensive court cases in history. But all that next week. Next week. That is all we've got time for, guys. If you want to see some pretty incredible photos from this time, come and follow us at Shameless Podcast on Instagram. We will have a whole gallery of Jude Law, Sienna Miller photos <laughs> from this time because they really were the golden couple. They really, truly were. Guys, you can also follow us on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast where we'll have some videos up about this scandal series. Otherwise, that's all from us, I think, Zara. We'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, we will be back in your ears on Thursday. Bye. Bye. Bye.